been four weeks into this, and um, uh, if you've missed any of these messages, you need to grab them. Today, we're going to have a great word. Can you take God at his word? Poke your neighbor and say, can you take God at his word? That's what we're preaching at today. Can you take God? Can you believe what God says? Can you believe what God says? So that's what we're what we're going to preach about. We're in Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. You want to turn to your Bibles, however it is, if you've got your Bible on your phone or, or if you've got a paper Bible, however it is that you you choose. Uh, don't forget you can go to Uversion. Uversion has the notes. You can download them. You can make notes as we go, and then you can save. You can always refer back to it. And uh, so... Everyone take a look at Judges chapter 7, and uh, we're going to read in verse 9 through 15. Praise God. I'm so thankful for a wonderful kids pastor. I really, really am. I'm telling you, I, I can't tell you how relieving it is to me as a pastor to know that our kids are not just being taken care of. They're being ministered to. That is kids' church down there. That's not give them crayons and a coloring book and a couple of cookies and send them home. It's not babysitting. It's church. She's leading these kids to the Lord. Amen? This is a big deal. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Judges chapter 7, verses 9 through 15. The Bible reads, It happened at the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, God speaking to Gideon, Go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Furah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Furah, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, as grasshoppers. And their camels were without number as they sand by the seashore in multitude. That's a big problem. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into, the, into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. I find it interesting. God said, I've delivered the camp into your hands. And now the enemy is saying, hey, God has delivered us into Gideon's hand. So watch what happens in verse 15. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of his dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Praise you, Jesus. I want you to hold your Bible in the air and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Now, Lord, anoint my ears. Anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Let us not just be a hearer of the word today, but a doer of your word. <clears throat> Lord, open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Anoint me to communicate, Father, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. In Jesus' name, and may God add as many blessings to his word. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. Give them a good high five. Tell them we got the best kids pastor going.
1939, just before the outbreak of World War II, the Germans and the Russians signed the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. The treaty promised that neither nation would attack one another. It also laid out a plan for how they would divide up the nations of Eastern Europe. And in 1941, without warning or provocation, Adolf Hitler rolled his tanks across the Russian border and gave a surprise attack. You see, Adolf Hitler uh, had no intention of ever keeping his word. As a matter of fact, the treaty meant only to be a temporary measure to keep things cool, calm, and collective until he could do what he really wanted to do. In other words, he never had any intention of ever keeping his word. Now, whether it be in politics, business, or ministry, there's always been crooked people. It seems like everywhere we look, trust is not only being shattered, but it's being violated. It's something that we Americans now have a hard time believing. Uh, sure, we have the big ones like the politicians who make many promises and fulfill very little. That gets our attention, but perhaps even more corrosive for the, our willingness to truly trust what is being said is the hundreds of little promises we hear each and every day that cause us to flinch, that give us a knee-jerk reaction, and that we refuse to believe. Promises like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. Lose 20 pounds in 20 days. This will only take a minute of your time. This won't hurt a bit. There's no risk or obligation. You can count on it. If I'm elected, I will, dot, dot, dot. Read my lips, no new taxes, right? So we've heard all the promises. We've been conditioned to disbelieve and with good reason. Our society is jaded. Our society is skeptical. In fact, the word promise is thrown around so lightly, there's a brand margin name promise, for crying out loud. There are so many promises that have been broken. Is anyone trustworthy? Can we trust what anybody says anymore? Can we count on his or her word at all? Thomas Fuller said, a man apt to promise is a man also apt to forget. So we're, we are told all these things. We were promised many promises during the week. Little things like, I'll call you tomorrow, never get a recall. The checks in the mail, you name it. Broken promises wound our spirits. They, they leave us a little wiser, but also less trusting. And that can be a problem. They may even break us inside. As a matter of fact, many of us have been disappointed and heartbroken so many times that we fear putting our trust in anyone or anything any longer. And that's why when a preacher comes up here like me today and he says, point number one, God makes good on his promises, we get sometimes a knee-jerk reaction to that and say, wow, can I really truly trust what God says? I'm here to tell you unequivocally the answer is yes. You can take God at his word. The question is, can we step out in faith and hold on to a promise, believing God and move forward, believing with all our heart that God will do what God said he would do? And then we need to ask the question, as soon as we do ask this question, we've got to realize that our faith is only as good as its object. Our faith is only as good as our object. All of you have faith. Is there anybody that has never been to a restaurant before? No one. You have faith. You have faith that the chef you don't know 
didn't spit in your food, put cyanide in your food, whatever, you name it, you believed that that restaurant was going to serve you healthy food or at least food untainted and unpoisoned, you, you sat down in these chairs today. That lets me know you have a measure of faith. You never, nobody, not once, did you come in here and go and scratch your head and wonder, will this chair hold me up? Every one of you just plopped right on down. In fact, some of you may have just, boom, hit it really hard. Why? Because you believed the chair was going to hold you up. It's not a matter of do we have faith. It's a matter of what are we going to really believe in. And the scary part to me is we'll believe people we don't know. We'll go to a doctor that, whose name we can't pronounce. He'll write a prescription we can't read. We'll go to a pharmacist we don't know. And we'll take that medicine in good faith that it's going to help us and not harm us. But yet when God says, and he gives us promises in this book right here, we'll doubt, wonder, is God telling the truth? It's amazing to me that we all, and I'm not casting stones at anybody, myself too, we all as human beings tend to doubt what God says. But I've come to tell you that you can believe God and take Him at His word. People, in spite of their best intentions, will fail us, but God never will. Pope could ever say, God never will. There are approximately 8,810 promises in this book. 7,706 roughly in the Old Testament. 1,104 in the New Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 28 has 133 promises alone, which is more than any other chapter in the Bible. There's promises in here. There's His Word. Can we latch on to what God's Word says and take it? See, Vance Habner says it this way. We're sitting on the premises when we should be standing on the promises, right? In our text, we find Gideon with a promise in one hand and an unbelievable, almost impossible situation in the other. He says, God says, I got you. And in this hand, he's looking at it saying, I can't even count their camels, there's so many. I got 300 guys. And they got more camels than can even be numbered. See, that's what God does with us. He'll put us in a situation or we will come to a situation in life where we'll have the promises of God in one hand and we'll have a seemingly impossible situation we're faced with the other. And the questions that we need to ask ourselves is this. Will you choose to walk by faith in God's word? Or will you cower down in the presence of seemingly insurmountable circumstances? Here was the promise in verse 9. Your Bible says, God said, get up and I want you to go down to the camp. I'm going to deliver them into your hands. He said, I'm giving you a promise. Listen, the only thing Gideon had to stand on and his only assurance was God's word. His only assurance of victory and success was a promise from the spoken word of God. And there's going to be times in your life, brothers and sisters, that the only thing you can stand on is the written word of God. But I got good news for you. When you believe that book and you step out in faith in that book, God will see you through. Hallelujah. 2 Peter 1.4 says he's given us great and precious promises. Romans says it this way in chapter 4, verse 20 through 21. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he's speaking of Abraham. He did not waver in unbelief. He did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory. Grew strong in faith. How do you do that? You keep rehearsing the word of God. You keep rehearsing the promises. You keep speaking the scriptures out loud. And your faith begins to grow more and more and more. Giving glory to God and being fully assured 
that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Wow. We receive the promises of God truly in our heart. Well, how do you receive the promises of God? You receive them when you don't walk in unbelief. You receive them when you start quoting them. You start speaking them. And I'm telling you, here's what happens. You start speaking it. You start speaking the word into your situation. And at first, there's a little doubt. And you keep speaking and you keep praying and you keep speaking and keep praying. And then all of a sudden, it happens. You, get, you go from speaking in faith to being actually in faith. You can feel the difference in your spirit. All of a sudden, now you know that you know that you know. Has anybody ever experienced that before? And you know that you know that you know that God's got it. That's how you know you've received by faith. Look. Abraham and Sarah were way too old to have children. Way too old. Yet the Bible says he was fully convinced. He wasn't just fully convinced. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he thought was impossible. And if I walked you through this whole passage here, her womb was dead. It was impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. What is impossible in your life today is not impossible in the hands of God. What you think is dead and over, God says, man, you just wait till I add a little life to that. When they all thought Jesus was dead, the Holy Spirit came and brought him back to life. Man, I don't know who I'm speaking here today. And it may be somebody watching on Facebook. Listen, I want to tell you something. You, your dream is not dead. The dream God put in you is not dead. The vision he put in you is not dead. The ministry he's called you to is not dead. Think not this time is over. I want to tell you something. God specializes in bringing those things that you think are dead and raising them back to life. Your marriage is not dead. Your relationships are not over. Your body is not gone. I want to tell you, you can trust God. It's not over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's a few promises God has given us. One is salvation, 1 John 2, 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. If you're in here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you have a promise in this book. And this book says he'll give you eternal life. You need to get you one of these books. They're good. You say, well, you don't know what the doctor said. Well, I, you get you one of these books. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed. Pastor, you don't understand. My finances are wrecked. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. He Get you on these books. Because he's got a promise in Philippians 4.19 that he'll meet your needs according to his riches and glory, not yours. Man, I'll tell you what, anything you will ever face in life, he's got a promise in his book. If you don't have one of these books, we'll give you one. You need one of these books. Amen. There's other promises. He's promised to be with you. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the earth. If you feel lonely, you don't ever have to be lonely again. There's a promise in this book. There's a promise of power. There's a promise of provision. There's a promise of his presence. There's promise of cleansing and goodness. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. First John 1 and 9 said, well, I, I just, I've sinned so bad. I feel so dirty inside, Pastor. What am I going to do? One of these promises in this book says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm telling you, everything you will ever deal with in this life, there is a promise in this book. Somebody say amen. How many are glad about that? But I want you to, 
I want you to hear something here about what he says in verse 9. In your Bible, he says, I want you to go down the camp. He says, because I have delivered them. Notice the past tense. Everybody say, have. It was over. The verb is past tense. Although the battle had to be fought, the war was already won. You've already been healed. You've already been delivered. You've already been set free. I know there's a battle to still fight, but you've already won it. Look, it's not the fights I don't think I can win. That, those are the ones that scare me. But the ones I know I can win, that's the ones I don't mind. I want to tell you something. You've already won. The enemy come, may come against you, but you've already won. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. Watch what it says. Notice the tense of this. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory. He gives it to us. It's now. It's ours now through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Wow. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Just like Gideon, don't let your circumstances, no matter how impossible it may seem, move you. Let nothing move you. Let nothing get you to quit. As we said, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you prospers. The devil tries to make you think that this latest attack and this latest thing is going to take you under. That is not what the Word says. Romans 8, 37 says you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. But we have to have patience. Hebrews 6, 12 says it's through faith and patience that we receive the promise. We've got to endure We've got to walk through it. Stand strong on the promises when you're in the wait. Continue to quote the word. Continue to speak the promise until you see it come to fulfillment. See, God has already done all he's going to do to provide through Jesus Christ. It's up to us to receive by faith and walk that out. This leads me to point number two, and that is this. Fear will hinder you from receiving God's promises. In verse 10, God tells Gideon, listen... If you're afraid, I want you to go down to the camp because what I'm going to do for you there is going to strengthen your faith. It's going to build you up and get the fear out. The Lord wanted Gideon and his 300 men to attack the camp of Midian that night. But he first had to pull the fear out of Gideon's heart. God has a victory for you and I. But he's first got to pull the fear out. He's got to get you in the Word. And get you to believing the word and let it jump off the page and into your spirit to such a point that all of a sudden the fear is gone. See, God wants to bless you financially, but he's got to get the fear of giving your tithes and offerings out of you. God wants to heal you physically, but he's got to get the fear of the doctor's report out of you. God wants to fulfill the promise for your life, but he's got to get the fear of the battle and fight you're going to have to walk through out of you first. God wants to get the fear out, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Anytime you feel fear, it is not from God. It is a spirit, and it needs to be rebuked and commanded to leave in Jesus' name. And God says, hey, here's what we're going to do, Gideon. I want you to go down there, and he says, now, I don't want you to go alone. I want you to take Fuhrer with you. I want you to take somebody with you. I want you to take somebody to confide with you. I want you, because, because what I'm going to do in you 
they're going to get the same confirmation. Fear is going to strike out of their hearts too. They're going to stand with you in belief. I'm going to put somebody in your life that you can stand with and believe with. I'm going to send you down there with somebody that help hold you accountable. That when you feel fear or you want to back out, he's going to be right there and you're saying, no, God said we can do this. See, we were never meant to do life alone. We were never meant to be isolated. Small groups is the great answer for this. Connect with people. God never sent Gideon on his own. Take Fuhrer with you. I want you to send. I'm going to send you down there with somebody that's going to help build you up, that's going to encourage you. And out of the mouth are two or three witnesses, so let it be established. Listen, in the New Testament, Matthew 18 says, where any two or more gather together and agree as touching anything we shall ask, it shall be, not might be, not if you throw the dice right on the table, right? He said, it shall be done of my Father in heaven. Take Fura. Listen, he didn't say take all 300. He said, get him, go get you somebody that can be in agreement with you. Get you somebody that can be in unity with you. Get somebody that can believe with you. And then together, you will convince the rest and you will see me work in a mighty way. Is anybody catching this this morning? Verse 11, he says, I want you to hear what they say. Listen to me. The Bible says... The enemy is the father of lies, and there's no truth in him, right? So if the enemy is talking, what's he doing? See, we need to quit. Well, the enemy's telling me this. The enemy's telling me this. Did you know the enemy will actually tell you the truth? How's that? You just said there's no truth in him. Because if he's talking, what's he doing? So what's the, what is the converse of that then? The opposite is what? So when he says, you may as well just quit and give up, Steve and Valera. You may as well just throw in the towel because it's never going to happen. What should we do? We ought to go. prophesying devil I know you're trying to get me to quit and give up because you know the truth is it will happen sometimes the enemy will confirm for you your love will never get saved thank you devil that means they will oh you'll never amount to nothing that dream you had will never be oh thank you devil for telling me it's going to happen you do you see whatever he says the opposite is true let me show you how this works joshua chapter 2 verse 9 through 11 and 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 said to the men this is rahab speaking to the spies when they entered the canaan land and were checking things out she says the enemy i know that the lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us. Has it ever occurred to you that the reason the devil fights our church and you as an individual so hard is the terror of you, the God in you, is on him. He tries to terrorize you when he's really terrified of you. Somebody hear what I'm saying. That all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. The enemy has no... He's terrified of us. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, and whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, the enemy, our hearts melted. Wow. 
Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. I love it. The enemy is speaking the word of God. Let me tell you something. The en- listen sometimes to what the enemy says because it will prove to be the opposite is true. The enemy is powerless against us. Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you authority to trample. Everybody say trample. Just pick your feet up and just like this. Trample. Have you ever seen an animal trample somebody? Have you ever seen the dummies running through the streets of Spain and the bulls are chasing them? I just think, well, what do you want to do today, Fred? Oh, I don't know. Let's go get bulls to chase us and run us over. This sounds like a great idea. Let me get gored with a horn and get trampled by a thousand-pound bull. I think it's a great plan. And so here they go. They walk out, and what happens? Every time, what does the bull do? He tramples the guy. You know, the guy's got broke ribs. Sometimes they die. Listen, God has given us authority to... Come on, everybody. Do like this with me. How many of you have got a... How many of you tired of the devil messing with you? How many of you are tired of the devil? Make, come on. Just, how many of you are tired of messing with our church? Messing with your children and your grandchildren? Come on. How many of you are tired of messing with your body and your finances? He's given, Jesus has given us the authority in his name. My Lord, I'm about to have a fit. To trample. Yes. pastor because I'll get the enemy he'll get all up on me no man we've got it backwards greater is he that is in me than he is in the world we take the authority light dispels darkness wow Ephesians 2 6 says it this way and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We physically, naturally live here on this earth. But spiritually, we're in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He said if we ask anything in his name, he would do it. Why do we cower down? Well, you know, Pastor Dallas, oh, 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 the, oh the enemy, oh, the enemy. No, the enemy's the one terrified. Well, Pastor Dallas, I don't, I don't know. I go up, you know, new levels, new devils. Well, that's true, but let me, let me say the converse. Who is the most protected on the battlefield? The lowly private or the general? See, the devils tried to make us fear going up another level. We're going to be exposed to new devils. But don't you know that the higher up in rank you go in the military and in the army and in the Air Force and whatever branch it is, the more protected you are. The general and the captains and the, and, the, and the commanders, they're not down there in the front lines. They're back banking the battle plans. They're protected by people. Let me tell you something. Yes, it's true. You go up. You, you're exposed to new devils. But you have greater authority. You have got Jesus all over. You've got the Holy Spirit on you. And listen, in, in the same, God, he didn't, even, he didn't even throw him out. He just said, you're gone. And he was gone out of heaven. Him and all one-third of the angels. Just one word from God. Listen, we cower down. We fear the enemy when we ought to be afraid of God and the enemy terrified of us. I believe this. The 
devil tries to intimidate us out of our victory. He tries to talk us out of our victory. He tries to get us to throw in the towel and quit because he knows he can't stop us. Man, I'm preaching to somebody today. I want you to hear this. He, he, said, to, he said to Gideon, he said, hearing this will strengthen your faith. You're going to hear this and it's going to strengthen your faith. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing. That is present active participle in the Greek. It means hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. That means ongoing. By the word of God, the word word there is rhema. That, that spoken word of God off the page into your spirit. That's what brings faith. It's not logos there, it's rhema. Logos is a written word. Rhema is that when God, you ever been reading the Bible and it's like, boom. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Man, if that's never happened to you, you'd eat it. I'm telling you, there's nothing like a word spoken in season. When Satan tries to intimidate you, throw the word right back at him. That's what Jesus did. Verse 12 through 14, the Bible says Gideon looks out and he says, Man, the enemy's like grasshoppers. There's so many camels, I can't count them all. This, this looks daunting. It's overwhelming. And sometimes it feels like the enemy wants to overwhelm us with the amount of problems he brings against us. All at once. The car breaks down. The pipes in the house burst. The roof leaks. The kids get sick. A loved one dies. All the medical bills come due at one time. Your relationships are all in turmoil. Your marriage is headed the wrong way. Am I preaching to anybody? Your boss is mistreating you. Your company is downsizing. They're trying to throw you out. Your prayers are hitting brass heavens, and it seems to be going unheard of by God. And he'll just throw problem after problem after problem and try to overwhelm you by just sheer force. But I want to tell you something. We are the ones victorious. We overwhelm him, not the other way around. And in this dream, the guy from the Midianites, he says, I saw some barley bread rolling into the camp, destroyed the camp. Barley bread was primarily used only by poor people. As a matter of fact, it represented poverty-stricken Israel because a cake of barley bread was seen as a weak and pitiful thing. And I want to tell you, in our own strength, we are weak and pitiful. But with God inside of us, it changes everything. We are strong with God inside of us. Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, then who can be against us? David Livingstone, the great missionary to Africa, was sitting on the Zambezi, and he wanted to cross over. And word got to him on the other side. There was a chief that had been mistreated terribly uh, by someone, and he declared the next white man that came across, he was going to kill him. David Levinson knew that he was supposed to go and evangelize there, so he sat down to read the Bible, his evening passage, as he normally did. And he came across Matthew 28, 20, that said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. And he said this statement. It is the word of a gentleman of the strictest and most sacred honor. I will not flee. And he crossed that Zambezi. And he began to win that tribe and another and another. And he won so many people in Central Africa that he said, when I die, he was from England. He said, you can bury my body in England, but bury my heart in Africa. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. Will we be moved by the things we hear? Will we be moved by the government, by our friends, by some nose, by this, that, or the other? Or will we be only moved by the word of the living God? Wow. 
2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14 through 17. They, then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. And he says, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? All he can see is the problem in the natural. And I love what Elisha does here. He says in the next two verses, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I want to tell you something. God is on your side. God's in front of you. God's behind you. God's to each side of you. He's under you, and he's over you. In other words, God's got you covered. Amen? He's got you back front every which way. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, God's on your side. Amen. Which leads me to point three, and that is this. God will confirm his promises. Wow. In the Bible, many, many believers had dreams. Many unbelievers had dreams. But here's the one little nugget I'll get you. Dreams can be deceptive. Be very careful with dreams. Jeremiah 32, 23, 32 says this. Indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies. Yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. Zechariah also warns us in chapter 10, verse 2. The idols speak deceitfully. Diviners see visions that lie. They tell dreams that are false. They give comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wander like sheep oppressed from the lack of a shepherd. Don't ever take someone's word as the gospel. They may believe they've heard from God, but if they didn't, they may be very genuine, but if they didn't really hear from God and you go run out and do what they said, where does that leave you? Then there's others who are devilish and they try to give a word from God because they're really trying to control you or the situation. They're manipulating you. Prophecy, prophecy should never reveal, it should confirm what God has already spoken to you. I had prayed because I had one girlfriend before Holly and it was terrible. And I thought, man, who wants, this is stupid. Who wants to date a bunch of people? That's the dumbest thing ever. I said, God, I don't ever want to date again unless I know that that is my wife. And I don't know why because I wasn't really living right. I don't know why God did it to this day, but I know. That when I sat to study across the table from Holly before I'd ever asked her out, I was sitting there that night and God spoke to me. I know it was God. And he said, that's your wife. And I felt comfortable to ask her out. Somehow or another, she felt grace or mercy or I'm not sure. She had a, you know, middle of night blurry moment. I'm not sure, but she said yes. And I said, I'll take it. Amen? But I never told her that until we were after we were married. Because if I had told her that, that would be manipulating trying to control her. See, we don't always tell everything we hear. We have to be very careful what we say as to not control and manipulate people. The best thing to do is get God's guidance through the Word of God. Her Uncle Tom's getting ready to get married in April, and his wife passed away, and he's, it's been a few years, and he met a lady, and they started dating, and she has been divorced 13 years. Her husband was abusive. Her husband broke all the wedding vows, and so she divorced him, and he said, God, I need to hear from you that it's okay to marry this woman. I need you to speak to me through your word. And God gave him two scriptures in the New Testament to show him it's okay to marry this woman. That's the proper way to do things. What does the Bible say? Somebody say amen. Ask God to give you scriptures in context. Look, with, with Gideon, notice. First God spoke to him, and then he allowed him to have the confirmation. 
Watch this. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. I love this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everybody say confirmation. Faith is the confirmation number of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, if I go tomorrow to get into a hotel room, I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to say, I have a reservation under so-and-so. Here's my confirmation number. That confirmation number, watch this, entitles me to something I don't yet see. It entitles me to something I don't yet have in my hands. It entitles me to something that is awaiting for me that I don't yet experience, that I can't yet walk into, but it's mine all the same. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, this book is full of confirmation numbers that says if you'll just hold this up in humility and say, God, I want you to remember your word. I got a number right here in Philippians 4, 19 that says you'll meet my needs according to your riches and glory. It is, it is confirmation of something you don't yet have, of a of something you hadn't yet experienced, something you hadn't yet seen. You can't see it. You can't touch it yet. You can't enter that hotel room yet. You can't enter that promise yet. But all the same, it is yours. If I go to that hotel and they say, hey, man, we don't have a room for you, I say, well, so you're going to have to kick somebody out because I got a number. <laughs> or you're going to have to give me your suite. Some, somebody is going to have to give me a room because I got a number. Listen, man, we got to go to God and say, God, I got a number. When the devil says, you don't have, say, wait a minute, I got a number, and it entitles me to something I can't see, something I hadn't received yet, something I haven't walked in yet, something I haven't experienced yet, but it is mine. Hold your Bibles up and say, they are mine. Last point, verse 4, or, or verse 15, point number 4 is this. Worship God before you get the promise. The Bible says when Gideon heard this and saw this, he went and first thing he did was worship. Wow. It is significant he worshiped before anything else. Listen, he was so overwhelmed by the Lord's goodness and mercy that he fell down in adoration and worship. Joshua did the same thing in chapter 5. When God speaks to you in the middle of a situation and you're waiting on him, it'll cause you to worship. When you're in the middle of a storm and God speaks a word to you and it registers faith inside of you, it'll be like a breath of fresh air. <gasps> That's it. It's done. See, when someone gets a word from God, when you truly believe God, nobody has to come in here on a Sunday and cheerlead you and say, come on, guys, worship. Nobody has to beg you. Nobody has to conjole. Man, when you get a word from God and you're in the midst of a crazy season and it registers in faith, man, you'll just nobody's going to have to tell you to drop to your knees and worship. Nobody's going to have to tell you to sing out to God. Nobody's going to have to tell you to dance before God. Why? Because, man, God's done something for you that nobody else could. I want to tell you something, man. we got to come into the house of God on Sundays and everybody, man, get out of my way. There's people at the door push old people over. Get out of the way. Because I got to worship inside of me. God gave me a promise that me and my house will be saved. And my kids acting crazy, but I got a confirmation number. Give me room to shout. I know what the doctor says, but I got a number. And it says I'm healed. Give me room to shout. 
was the last time you worshiped God based on a promise? When was the last time you read a scripture and began to worship before you had it in the natural? We need to worship God before the doctors give us a clean bill of health. Before the bill collector says paid in full. Before the family member's on fire for God. Before we get into our church building. Before we're set free. Before we're delivered. Before our prayers have been answered in the natural. Can you worship God as if it's already done? We'll pull up to a hotel at 3 in the morning knowing we have a room because we got a number. But we won't worship God on a Sunday. And we got a book full of numbers. Wow. Somebody say amen. Gideon represents... Or he repeats the word of God to the, to the men. He says, hey guys. He says, God's already said it. The enemy's already said it. Let me tell you what me and Fura just found out. It's over, boys. The Lord has delivered the enemy into our hand. It's done. Wow. Vance Habner says this. Musicians, if you want to come. He says, faith sees the invisible. The victory in a battle not yet fought and does the impossible wins the battle with few men and peculiar weapons. Salter said it this way. Every promise is built upon four pillars. God's justice and holiness, which will not suffer him to deceive. His grace or goodness, which will not suffer him to forget. His truth, which will not suffer him to change. And his power, which makes us able to accomplish. Wow. An aged old Indian wandered in to a western settlement just after the Revolutionary War and he was begging for food. And he had a, he had a, an old dirty pouch hanging from his neck and the people were interrogating him. They said, what, what's in that pouch? And he pulled out a piece of greasy, dirty paper and he handed it to him. It proved to be a, a discharge in good standing from the federal army signed by General George Washington himself that gave him rights to a pension for life. Anything he could ever need, the government and the people would give to him. Here, here was a name that would be recognized anywhere in the United States. Anywhere. In which he was entitled to everything he would ever, ever need of for the rest of his life. Yet he had that authority in his hand and he walked around begging, cajoling, trying not to starve. Listen, what a picture of Christians with the promises of Jesus in their hand. All the confirmation numbers you could ever want. Inheritance in full possession, yet walking around starving in the wilderness of life. A greater name is signed to our promises than General George Washington. Every confirmation number, when you go to, to the Lord and you say, I've got a confirmation number, and guess what? It's signed by Jesus Christ. A name where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And the Father will look and he'll say, yes, I see that number. Yes, I see it signed by Jesus. Yes, it is granted. 
What promises do you need to stand on today? What do you need to believe God again for? Are you struggling with doubt today? Are you struggling to believe God will make good on His promises today? God makes good on His promises. Don't let fear hinder you from receiving. He'll confirm His word. Why not just worship before you get to Him? 